Hey guys, this is Chad Townsend and you are listening to Talking with TK. Welcome, guys, to episode 110 of Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Another great episode today. We've got Cronulla Sharks 2016 champion halfback and current halfback as well, Chad Townsend. Now, Chad's got an incredible story. He's the type of guy I actually love having on the podcast because he's faced so much adversity throughout his career and life, but he always takes that challenge on head on and really glad to see him continuing to progress in his career especially well both on and off the field that is as well and I think in the back end of of last year particularly after that Broncos game where he was probably a little bit disappointed in his own performance he just really kicked on and it was great to see him in the finals he was definitely the Sharks best player and I think he'll continue to grow and you know we recorded this episode literally on it was only a couple of hours before the whole Valentine Holmes thing came out so We'll chat briefly about Val and who knows what the future holds for the Sharks, whether it's going to be Sean Johnson or another player brought in. But, you know, it's going to be interesting just to see how the Sharks do line up and particularly in in that kind of spine area. Before we get chat on the show, just a big shout out to everyone tuning in. Thank you to everyone that continues to help grow that show by sharing it with your family and friends. I really do appreciate whether you're posting on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you're using on your social media or just telling your family, friends, when you see them, there definitely has been a huge amount of growth growth in season number two. So if you can and you do have access, please continue to leave me reviews. Big shout out to all the legends that have done that. Only take a couple of minutes. If you do log on to your podcast app, you can easily do that. If it's your first time here or you haven't checked out all the episodes, please do check out the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. You'll find all the episodes. We're up to 110, so plenty for you to check out. It's not just about NRL, but it's across pretty much every single sports, and you'll find definitely all the links to the podcast apps, which include things like Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. There's a whole heap of them, so there definitely is links. So check it out at www. Dot talkingwithtk.com. Please connect with me on my Twitter or Facebook. You'll find me at TalkingWithTK. Or please, old school, email, send me Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Definitely guest requests for 2019. Taking them now, so definitely get in touch. All right, guys, excited for this episode, and I introduce Chad Townsend. <laughs> All right, guys, my special guest today is Chad Townsend. Chad is a professional rugby league player for the Cronulla Sharks. He's played over 130 games now, winning a premiership in 2016, and he's also recently had a few representative honours. He's played for City twice in 16 and 17, and also recently was selected to the PNG, sorry, the President's 13 for their tour of PNG. Welcome to the podcast, Chad Townsend. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, Chad. So, like I said, like when we've been chatting before you came on the show, I really like your, your blog, your vlog, sorry, because it's innovative and I don't see any of the other players doing it at all. And it's giving everyone a great insight into your life. Yeah, I think it's something that now more than ever, you know, I think obviously everything's online and yeah. it's a great way, I think, for myself to put out there some content that I 
think would benefit myself yeah. in a positive way and also just to see what you know to give people an insight into the type of person that I am away from footy uh you know I'm a family man I love hanging out with my wife and my daughter and um you know also it's a way for us to you know create memories and, and keep it on file you know as much yeah, as for sure. you know like my daughter's nearly eight months old and we got all these videos of her, you know, when she was born, bringing her home from the hospital, taking her down the beach. And, you know, when she gets older, I'll just be able to say to her, you know, darling, if you want, if you want to get, I've got all these videos here, you can go and have a look at them when you're a young, when you're a young girl. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's a great way for me to put out some content that I can control. And, yep. and it's, and I'm really loving it as well. I, lo- I love following other vloggers and, and learning along the way. So, you know, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, you know, you just brought up your daughter. Now, it is evident how much you love family time. Talk tell, tell me a little bit about fatherhood and kind of how that, I'm sure it's balancing you now off the field. Yeah, oh, big time. It, it has changed my life. You know, my wife and I had always spoken about being parents and, uh, you know, we'd love to have a big family one day. But at the moment, we're blessed with just one one little girl and yep. she really has changed my life around uh, just the perspective and, you know, you come home from training or a game after you've had a loss and you might not have played that well and I just see her and she's smiling and just, uh, you know, things just nothing else matters, you know. It's just really does put things in perspective that there are there are other things out there than, than rugby league and uh, this thing, this little girl, you know, she's got my heart captured. It's, it's truly an amazing thing to be a father. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned your wife as well. Now, that's Scotty Sorensen's sister, correct? Yes, yes, it's correct. Scotty's my brother-in-law, so... How'd you meet? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good question. So, I actually... Pl- Scott's actually got a, two older brothers, and one of those older, older brothers I played with in the under-20s. His okay. name was Blake Sorensen, and yep. then Scotty was a few years younger than us. And, uh, you know, I, I met, obviously, knew Scott from just playing in the juniors. I knew he was a few years younger than me, and... Uh, you know, his sister would always come to the games and, and was a big fan of the boys and has been a in, big influence on their lives. And yep. uh, we sort of met through through that. And then made, I messaged her, made contact with her. and So you DM'd her. Yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> we we went on a date or if that's what you call it. And, yep. uh, you know, we it, it took off from there. And then I remember the time that my wife told Scott that she'd been seeing me and uh you know he was a little bit dirty at the time but then uh you know scott and myself we were we were mates and yeah uh you know i was in it for the right reasons i was in it for the long term and uh you know scott and myself are now we're we're really good mates we hang away hang out away from footy and also you know that's it's really cool to be able to train alongside your brother-in-law and and to see him grow and especially the season he had this year where he played about 15 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was impressive. really a breakout season yeah. for him, and notably that try he scored against the Panthers at home when he made about a 50-meter break off yeah, of Matt. Yeah, off of Matt Moylan, short ball. It was, uh, you know, that that's the, the kind of stuff that he's capable of, and I'm hoping he has another big season next year for us. Yeah, it's pretty cool because you play on the right edge. Sometimes when Louis was out, he yep. was filling in for Louis. Sometimes on the right edge, sometimes on the left. But when he was on the right, that'd been pretty cool to see your brother-in-law. Yeah, right next to you. yeah, it was cool. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, we we had a fair few injuries in our back row this year, and mm-hmm. obviously Wade had a bit of an unfortunate season, and Louis was out at times, and that really promoted guys like Scotty and even Kurt Capewell as well to come up yeah. and fill that void and. And Scott was playing on the left and then playing on the right, and then there'd be times in the game where you know I'd be talking to Scotty in defence and you know he'd be covering my backside if I missed a tackle or they're trying to send the big back rower at me and he'd be covering me and you know at the end of the game I remember we, we won a home game and I just went over to him and I said 
uh, how cool is that? Like it's just you know you got to really just take in those moments because yeah. you know you just you never you never know when they could happen again or you know you just want to I guess make the most of it. Mm. Now Chad, take me back a little bit to the start because you're a, you're a Yarrawarra boy. Now, were your parents always from the Shire? Yeah, so I grew up in Yarrawarra. I was born in Sutherland Hospital at Karangbar, mm-hmm. and I pretty much started playing rugby league when I was five years old. Okay. And I fell in love with the game, and you know we we would go up the oval and set up the field, play footy before our game, yep. play our game, and then play footy until it got dark. And then when it got dark, we turn the lights on and keep playing. So, yep. you know, we we grew up in a community that loved rugby league, that loved hanging out with one another, mm-hmm. and you know after the games. All our families would, would hang out together. We'd have dinner and parents have a few drinks and we'd still be just running around under the lights playing footy. So, you How know, that? that's where I fell in love with the game, the great Yarrawarra Tigers yep. uh, with my junior team. So, you know, we had some very good times there. But you guys won seven in a row. Was my liking that right? Uh wasn't in a row, but we did win seven competitions, yeah. But it must have yeah. been pretty close seeing that yeah. by the time we went to Harold Matts, like it would have been over, what, 10 years or something. It's yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was very enjoyable time and some of those guys I play with there I mean I got married last year and all of my groomsmen I met playing footy when I was five years old wow. so you know that I think can put into perspective about what it, yeah what it meant and, and like I said I owe that club everything the, the friendships the life it's given me how I started uh, my career and uh, you know we, it was luck, it was lucky enough that we were successful we had a pretty good team with some good players but more importantly, we were just good mates, and that's what it was all about. Yeah, I've got another Yarrawarra boy, Keithy Galloway, on tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. going to Ke- drop by tomorrow. Keithy Yarrawarra old boy. We had a bit of a function during the year for the, I think it was the Yarrawarra Tigers reunion. I yep. caught up with Keithy there. So, um, yeah, definitely another old boy. For sure. Who else came through the ranks from your team? Uh, my team was Stuart Mills. He played about 20 NRL games. Yeah, I thought um, he actually did because I was going to yeah, ask you because I remember yeah. his debut. Yeah. His yeah. debut was one of the greatest debuts I've ever seen. Yeah, so he was, you know, hands down one of the most talented rugby league players I'd ever played with mm. and someone who when he got the ball when we were younger would just make, he'd be without a doubt, he'd make a break. Yeah. And I just tried, used to try and push up on the other side of the field so I could try and get a try off Back him. But, up, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he had an unreal debut and then, you know, unfortunately came into a few serious injuries in, in one tackle in an NRL trial when he was 18 years old. He, okay. Done his knee and his ankle at the same time and then done his other knee. So he ended up having about three knee reconstructions uh, and ended up giving it away in the end. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, we're still great mates. We're still, good. What's yeah. he up to? He's uh, he working at the Wharfs now. He, okay. he was captain coach out at um, Ningen Tigers for a year out there. Took the boys all the way to the grand final. They'd never been to a grand final. But, uh, yeah, now he's just working at the Wharfs and, you know, we're still great mates. So. Yeah, good stuff. So, obviously, now you're progressing through the grades. You actually went and tried out for the... Harold Matts a year early. Yes, that's right. Yeah. What made you kind of want to do that? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't sure. Like I think at, at, up at that stage, I think I was I was still fourteen and I was turning fifteen the year the next year, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. I, I obviously wanted to you know test myself and, and make rugby league. Yeah. You know, make it in rugby league. And anyway, I went and trialed and I made the train on squad. I think it might have been like you know. 30 whatever players and um 
anyway, then when they were making the final cuts, it was pretty nerve-wracking. And I knew that I had another year to go yeah. in Matthew's Cup. But as a young kid, you know, you put so much pressure on yourself. And I got a phone call from the assistant coach at the time. His name was Kev Farquhar. And he rang me and he just said, mate, uh, we, the way you trained, the way you applied yourself, we couldn't not pick you. You know, we, we got told at the start to not pick any young kids, but we just couldn't not pick you. And that mm-hmm. was the moment where I was like, wow, you know, this is this has spurred me on to really give it a go and uh, make the most of my chance. And, uh, you know, from there, it just took off. Yeah, you, talk, you know, you spoke before about playing till midnight. Were you always that kid that always put in the extras, always working on his kicking game? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, before training, I was always up the oval. I mean, I lived five doors down from the oval that yeah. I grew up from. So, you know, I lived five doors down. Another one of my mates lived three doors down. Another one lived would have been ten doors. And then, you know, we were all surrounding the oval as we grew up. So we were all up the oval, you know, kicking and practicing, playing games. Um, you know, I goal kicked fairly regularly when I was a kid. And I would just would always go up there every day before training and practice. And, uh, you know, I just I loved it. I still love it now. And, you know, it's, it's made my life what it is. Yeah. Now, Chad, the reason I wanted to get you on today is because – through your whole your whole life and your career, you've, you've always faced a lot of adversity and always came in from the other side, just yep. glowing. Now, when you were younger, when you were fifteen, your parents split up. Yep. Now you're just coming into Harold Matthews as well. That's already a lot to to handle. That, that's a major piece of adversity straight up off the bat. How did you kind of react when when all that was going? Yeah, down? definitely. I think you know, through my whole life, I've never been given anything. I've had to earn and work for everything, and I think that's. Uh, a trait that I am, am the most proud of, you know, to be as a rugby league player. But yeah, I think when I was, you know, around 15, my parents did divorce, and at the time it was pretty tough. It was, you know, I, I was a kid who, you know, didn't really know what was happening, uh, the ins and outs, the details of everything, mm. and, you know, to be around some of the arguments and things like that at the time was definitely difficult for myself and my brother and I think it hit my brother a lot harder than uh, anyone else. He, he's a bit know, older than you, is he? He's, a bit, he's younger than me, okay. one year younger than me. And, um, you know, it was a difficult time and it, it really did test us. And I think as kids and even as boys, you know, you as you grow older, you bottle, bottle a lot of it up and you don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And I think it took uh, a long time for me to realise that it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, the day I met my wife, I think she got the best out of me in terms of uh, talking about your emotions and, and things like that. But, you know, for any kid, you know, when your parents wake up, it, it is a tough, thi- tough thing to go through. So, uh, you know, it was definitely a challenge for me. But, you know, I think to have rugby league as a point where it would just take everything else away, then that was, that was why I just honed in on my rugby league, on my footy, where... You know, while I was playing footy or while I was training, nothing else mattered. It was just, mm. this is it right now. So there was definitely a test, though. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us, Chad. Okay. All right, now, coming through the junior reps, now with SG Ball and Harold Matz, you're also making a few of the, I think you made the under-18s for New South Wales, correct? Yep, yep. And also the CHS yep. team as well. So you, you, you're going pretty well. You're going through the rep teams and you're actually developing quite well. How did you feel like during that period? Did you think, that you could become, take that next step into kind of becoming a pro? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when I made the New South Wales under-18s team, I played with a handful of really good players. And I think at that stage, you, you know, really have your sights set on making it into the NRL. And I think 
there was still obviously a fair, a fair few years to go in terms of development and things like that. And obviously mm. anything can happen. But, uh, you know, w- when I played the 18s and then after actually the, the thing that the, the thing that spurred me on the most was probably after I played SG Ball, I had a really good year when I was 18. I, I made that CHS team, mm. um, the New South Wales team. I played SG Ball, and after my after SG Ball season finished, we made the semis. We just missed out on the grand final. I went up to the 20s, and then I played every game in the 20s until the last four games. And then I played Premier League, the last four games, and semifinals of Premier League as an 18-year-old. So you're playing against men. Yeah. That'd be tough work. <laughs> I was nervous. I was scared. I was scared my first game. But, uh, you know, we ended up winning the game, and... Uh, we we made the semis and we we lost week one of the semis, but that that was the moment where I was like, you know, this is I'm going for it now. Next year I did an NRL preseason and then uh, the year after that I made my debut and you know it all went went up from there. Yeah, back then the first grade boys out of that group, did anyone leave a like a big impression on you? Uh yeah. Look, when I was uh, Probably the biggest, I think, when I was 18 was uh, I was playing Premier League at the time with a fella named Tony Kane. Okay. And he had played at the Sharks and at the Dragons and then suffered a really bad yeah, knee injury. From Steve Price. From Steve yeah. Price, charge down. And I remember seeing him trying to make this comeback where his knee was obviously, it was just bent in the wrong way. And I was down one afternoon and I saw him before training just passing at a goalpost just practicing left and right passing just by himself and I was like, you know, that that's left an impression on me. Yeah. You know, no one's around. I saw I saw him, no one else saw him. And, you know, he's not doing this to please anyone or anything. He's trying to do this to get better. And that was just like, you know, that's the stuff you need to do to make it to the NRL. And it really did spur me on to to continue to do that work. Just those little extras. Definitely. Now Chaddy, like think about now, like when you made your debut in two thousand eleven, right? The Sharks were not cellar dwellers, but we had no money. Our gym was run down. Like, we weren't the laughing stock of the league, but we were at the bottom. Can you, like, when you have, reflect on it now, like you coming back, winning a premiership, we've been in the semis all the way through, except for one season since then. Like, and now with the development and everything happening around mm. the club, now we're, we're the envy of a lot of people in the NRL. Can you, back then, <laughs> did you think it was ever going to happen? Oh, like it's, that? it's tough. It's, I think, you know, looking at it, from where we are now to in 2011 and before I left to go to the Warriors, it's a totally different place. You mm. know, facilities, resources, coaching staff, uh, you know, it is, it's the whole thing got flipped on its head. And, um, you know, I only wish now that if I came into first grade now when we had all that stuff, you know, yeah. it might have been a bit better, but uh, who knows, you know, and I think, you know, 2011, 12, and 13, when I was in and out of NRL and, um, suffered a few injuries and a bit of time in reserve grade, and then I went over to the Warriors and just to see what the Warriors have in terms of facilities, sponsorship, mm. resources, you know. And they've obviously one team in one country, and to the players that come up through those systems and they see that they've got they've got absolutely everything in terms of even training gear. You know, like we'd struggle to get some training gear at the Sharks and the Warriors. You just get handed two full bags of kit, like more kit than you'd ever need yeah. and the, the boys over there kind of take it for granted because they get it every year and I was like wow this is so cool like <laughs> you know look at this gym I'm training in like a massive gym like yeah. and then 
but then once when I did come back from the Warriors, it was you know it obviously changed a lot, and you know from from then to now, it is completely different. Yeah. Now tell me about Flano. Tell me about the first time you met Flano. What was he like? <laughs> I couldn't tell you the first time I met him. It would have been you know, oh, maybe ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was playing twenties at the time, and uh, I just always remember Flano. Flano was pretty. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't give too much away, Flano, okay. in terms of, you know, I guess, uh, feedback or, you know, things like that at, at stages when I was, when I was younger anyway. And then once I did make it in, into NRL, our, our relationships started to build. But I think it wasn't until I came back after my stint at the Warriors where, uh, you know, our relationship really, you know, really took off in terms yep. of football and, and uh, talking and, and, and analyzing and obviously I want to be hands-on in, in the game plan and have my input and things like that and um, you know that that's where I think you know we, we were cre- able to create some game plans where or even some set plays mm. you know which you're a real student aren't you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I do and I, I love it when you know we will sit down during the, during the week and we call these meetings a spine meeting where okay. you know it's Val, Moisa, myself, Braley and Chico yep. and our coaching staff. We watch footage and and we discuss tactics that we think can beat the opposition or plays that we think we can beat the opposition. And then we might say, like John Morris is sitting in there too. He's our um, assistant coach, and we might say, look, we want to get to this spot of the field to run this play, this okay. special play against this opposition because yep. they defend like this. And if we get here, this player will do this. And <laughs> this is great. Have you ever watched? I think you're in the American sports. Have you watched those hard knocks? And yeah, all those yeah, shows? I love hard knocks. Yeah, and they're I love in the room it. together, yeah, the yeah, quarterback meeting, yeah. and that's exactly there. what it's like. Yeah, yeah. And I and I got it from there, to be honest. Like I, I love my NFL, and and then what I'm saying is when we discuss that stuff, and then when we get on the field and we do it, yep. and it comes off and it pays off, and we score a try, it is the best feeling. It's like me and John Morris will look at each other and we'll go, "I told you so, I told you so," <laughs> and then we just laugh and, and like have a bit of a smile and 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 a bit of a high five. So. Uh, yeah, that's you know definitely one of the greatest things. That's awesome. Now, t- take me to your debut because you debuted against Brisbane. It's a pretty special debut because you yeah. get to play against Darren Lockyer. Yeah, yeah. But your start was amazing because I remember I was at that game and you laid on a try for Big Boogs. Yep. Right on the right edge for a nice little grubber kick. Yep. And yep. I remember that. Yeah, take me through a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, like, to be honest, it's a little bit of a blur. I just remember being told by Flano three nights before the game I was playing. We had a few injuries in the halves. Tim Smith and Scott Porter went down, and I was next man up. So you know, I didn't sleep for three days before the game. <laughs> you know, young kid, twenty year old, just you know, pretty nervous. But yep. then, obviously, playing Friday night footy, eight thirty, everyone's watching, playing against the Broncos. You know, they play every Friday night. Thayde, Lockyer, you know, Corey Parker, all these guys just. Uh, coming at you yeah. it was really a great moment to play against Darren Lockyer obviously an immortal of the game and uh, you know we ended up losing the game but uh, it was still something that I'll definitely remember for the rest of my life and even to also play in that game with uh, the late Johnny Manor was yeah. uh, something that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget we actually played in special call to arms jerseys that were black with um, a handshake with a bit of yellow across them and I've still got that jersey 
displayed in my lounge room. And, you know, that's a memory I'll, I'll, I'll hold really close to my heart to play with Johnny and he's no longer with us. But, you know, every time I look at the jersey, I think of him and I also think of my debut, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Did you have a lot of the boys and all the family come down for the game? Yeah, I had about, had about 30 tickets. So um, a lot of people come down. Obviously, you know, growing up in the era, everyone was asking for tickets. And, yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was a cool moment. That first season, but you and Wade combined really well because he was playing 5'8 at the yep. time. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, you know, you guys, I think it's come back to help you guys now, especially because Matt Moreland's a different sort of 5'8, and I think you rely a little bit on Wade to become that joint sort of 5'8 with yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. I think even now with Wade's skill set, he's not like, a, I guess, the classic back row these days where, yeah. you know, they're big and hard running, where Wade's really got that skillful element yeah. for us on the left edge. And he's also got a kicking game where it's, big, it's, big, uh, it's huge for myself personally. I think even this year, you know, uh, obviously losing Jimmy, who's him and myself would, would share the kicking duties. And this year I've probably mm-hmm. had to take a lot more of the kicking on, which was an adjustment I needed to make. But a lot of the time, you know, Maddie would use his bailout as Wade, who just sits on the left side of the field, left foot. He can put it in the air or he can put it down into touch. And yeah. it's a really, it is a really huge asset to us and uh, something that we, you know, we definitely utilize a lot. Yeah. Now, another piece of adversity coming through now. Like the Sharks, they recruit Robbo, Jeff Robson, yep. and they recruit Todd Carney. So they've got two senior guys that are going to get thrusters pretty much straight into the halves, which puts you back after you made your first grade debut. It kind of puts you back on, you know, when you saw that happen, what were you thinking and kind of did you say, well, I'm just going to get stuck in and just keep going? Like, what were you thinking at the time? Yeah, look, it, it definitely motivated me at the time. I was, you know, pretty frustrated at the at, at why it happened and – uh, you know, for me, it was out of my hands. I couldn't do anything to change that. All I could do was just put my head down and train hard, and that's what I tried to do. I really did. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to to just give it my all, and uh, it was frustrating. And I remember one time, I think uh, Todd made the New South Wales team, and I was obviously you know next person up. So I came up and played a game, and uh, we played against the Titans at home, and uh, and I'm getting I got man of the match, and the next week I wasn't in the team, yeah. and this was in 2013 where I was like, you know, um, I, I I need a, I need a change, you know, I need, I need to move on, and I need to really challenge myself, and because I wanted to play, you know, regular first grade, and and that's why, you know, when the the uh, chance to go and play at the Warriors came up, and mm. I, you know, I took it with both hands. Was that the only team they were going after? No, so I also had a. Uh, at a Chinese banquet meal with Phil Gould, actually, in Sylvania. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I was out of those two, and, and I'm actually very thankful that I picked the Warriors. Okay. Like, just the experience I had, and, and I wasn't guaranteed a spot over there at the Warriors in the starting team. It was Sean Johnson and Thomas Lillewey at the time, but yep. I went over there and trained my ass off, trained so hard with a lot of extras. You know, I just really wanted to play in that round one team, and, and you know, so be it. I ended up being named it in the halves in round one in yep. 2014. And you who know, recruited you over there, Matty Elliott? Uh, yeah, Matty Elliott and Dean Bell at the time. Okay. And Matty Elliott was the coach. He got sacked, I think, about ten rounds into the, the, the first season. But uh, you know, yeah, Matty got me over there, and yeah, you know, we still got a good relationship now, Matty. Whenever we see each other, we have a good chat. But um, yeah, like I said, it was it was a good move at the time for my football career. Yeah, but timing's kind of good because unfortunately, it might have meant he lost his job, but. Next coach up is Andrew McFadden, yes. who is a very good halfback. And then at the same time, I think Sean Johnson is very similar to Matt Moylan, but they're not yep. really a play caller like yourself. 
So that gives you opportunity to become the the kind of the major play caller on the field. Now that experience with the Warriors it was, you know, we talked about that timing, but was that the best thing? The fact that you could number one, your head coach was a was a halfback himself, and then number two, you got to be a major play caller on the field. Definitely, I think that was probably. The, it, it was obviously, you know, not good that Maddie got sacked, but it was the best thing when I look back on it in terms of my development for Cappy Andrew McFadden to come in. Yeah. Being an ex halfback, he was very tough on me, very hard uh, in terms of what he expected, and uh, also very straight to the point about feedback and things yeah. like that. And I love that. I loved, you know, that he told you how it was, when it was, mm. what he wanted from you, what he expected, what he didn't expect, and our relationship really grew and I think my game really grew as well playing under him and um, I was really thankful, you know, that that he he came through and, and took over the head coaching rank yeah. and allowed me to, you know, call the shots and play my natural game, which is to be that dominant voice on the field, getting people around the park, execute a good kicking game and, you know, allow players like Sean Johnson and Matt Moylan and that X factor to let them do what, what – they're good at and you know he was the guy that really kicked off that for me yeah but even the second season you guys were close to the semi-finals you lost a string of games in the lead up only because like sean johnson was out but i think that losing did you a lot of good because you were the only major playmaker on that team like despite mm-hmm. you losing you had to take responsibility for pretty much everything yeah definitely i think even uh you know <coughs> Tui Lolahia came in at the time when yep. Sean got injured and, you know, the, the NZ media were trying to, you know, say the next Sean Johnson's coming in and it was just the worst thing to say that because obviously no one can replicate what Sean does. But, you know, it did allow me to sort of step up and become that senior playmaker to play alongside Tui and and Tui was also a, a player who, you know, has footwork and mm. X Factor and, and, you know, I really enjoyed that role. I think, like, as you said, it really did allow me to grow and take hands-on control of the team. And, um, you know, I was, I was able to play some good footy. Yeah. Now, timing as well, like, growing as an adult, you get to see things like culture and the way people look after you. Now, when you're away, your mother-in-law was quite sick, but they looked after you guys, like, really well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the Warriors, I remember... You know, me staying back a few game, a few days later after games, and and uh, also going over to Sydney earlier just to be with uh, some family, be with my wife. Um, you know, she obviously would be around her mother, and, and that allowed to be with the Warriors. Sorry, for the Warriors to let me do that. You know, that was you know really cool, really touching, and, and it made it made things a lot easier for myself and also my partner, my now wife at the time, to mm. be able to you know. Um, put her first and then you know when the time came my last year at the Warriors the Warriors had an option on me to stay for the next season and I went into Cappy's office pretty early on in the year might have been you know round three or round four and I said to him look mate you know I I really want to go back to Sydney I'd you know it's um, you know, it's not football related. It's not that I don't want to be here or part of your team or part of the culture. It's, you know, I want to go back to Sydney and it's the best thing for um, my wife and I to, to go back and be around family, you know, just in case anything happens. And it was a pretty a pretty tough time actually because Cappy, had, he'd offered me a three-year deal to stay and he, he was, kept saying to me, you know, mate, we're chucking more flights, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that, to, mm. you know, try and entice me to stay and, you know, it, it, 
I had a big decision to make, but at the end of the day, it was it was more than footy. We wanted to move back to be closer to her, and uh, in the end, you know, he he came around and was happy to release us, and and then we were looking at some Sydney teams, and I actually said, I don't really care which Sydney team it is, just as long as it's Sydney. And then went back, and we, it was actually before we played the Sharks. Uh, my manager said that Flano had rang and uh, and said they're interested, and. Yep. We actually went and had a meeting in his office and said, you know, mate, we'd love to have you back. We, you know, we've got big plans. We see as this and this and this, and yep. uh, pretty much took off from there. And then, you know, end up signing back at the Sharks, and you know, it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made to come back. Yeah, when you're making that decision, though, were you a little bit hesitant, giving what happened back in? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely crossed my mind. But also, I think I was, you know, in the, I guess. Uh, negotiation process i was a lot more vocal and yep. and a lot more older and wiser i wasn't 20 years old anymore you know i was 24 25 and i'd been around the nrl a lot longer and and, and learn a lot and you know we had those conversations and uh you know i was a little bit hesitant about what might could happen but also like uh this is what i wanted i wanted to be back in sydney and you know to be back at the sharks where you know it's basically home it was you know an opportunity i I jumped at guys just a quick break in the episode with chad last week on the show wallaby's scrum half nick phipps here's a little snippet from our chat with nick oh yeah i guess uh our first half was uh wasn't very good um you know just little things um not being in the right positions uh work ethic was pretty poor uh, and then coming at half time, I guess uh, you probably everyone's probably seen the videos, but very animated. Um, a few uh, a few choice words and uh, a few questions about people's wants and desires. And you know, I was really it was one of the best sort of sprays I've seen from the big fella. And I've been with him for six years, so I've seen a lot. But you know, the passion that he he can get and then generate out of players is is something that's so special and um you know at the time you feel it and you know you would have seen the video he's like tapping bernard foley's chest he's just like he's talking about you know really special things like he didn't get an opportunity to play in that jersey and he was saying how how much he'd love to play in that jersey and what he'd do he'd kill for that jersey and so many people around the country would um and you know then he leaves the technical stuff up to the the assistant coaches and then you know that's that's all he needs to do that that passion and that desire once the players hone in on that you mm. you see such an awesome 40 minutes and that's never been our problem scoring points you, you we can play some of the best footy in the world um and when the boys were on there everyone was doing their roles everyone was their intent around the game was fantastic and their desire to do well and, and that when we can string that together that makes us a pretty pretty dangerous team so definitely go, go back and check out Nick's episode. Lots of great stories from his life and career. But if you haven't yet, please also check out all the other episodes. You'll find them at www.talkingwithtk.com or please search Talking With TK on your, fa- on your favorite podcast app. All right, guys, let's get back to the show with Chad. Yeah, you were a shark supporter through and through, right? I think I've seen you in a picture with ET or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be right. Yes, yeah. Obviously, growing up in the Shire, you know, and loving rugby league, you also love the sharks. So I'd always be down on the family hill. And ET went in the sheds one time and I had a shirt, and ET signed it. He put it on, put it on my back, and I bent over, and 
he's signed his signature is actually a pretty cool photo of it i've posted <laughs> before on my social media but um you know that that was a really cool moment i, I remember posting it and et reposted it and you know we've spoken about it et and myself now and, and we just laugh at it you know and think about you know um what what it is you know and and to now, I guess, be in a position to do that to another, to a younger kid who mm. could come up and be the potential next NRL player, you know, is, you know, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Yeah, definitely. So 2016, you know, you're back at the Sharkies. Now, 2015 for the Sharks was pretty good. They only made, they missed only missed by a couple of games from the, the grand yeah. final. Yeah. So the squad was actually quite there. I recruit yourself, Jimmy Maloney. So all of a sudden, probably the weakness from the year before was not having those dominant halves, which all of a sudden Flano kind of solved that problem with you guys. But still, you know, with two new halves, there is an adjustment period. And considering the success of 2016, we're pretty much slow out of the blocks too. Yeah, definitely. We uh, we put a lot of work and a lot of time in, in the preseason, obviously never play, having played with Jimmy before and even Michael Ennis, totally new spine and and stuff like that. It does take time and we did start really slow. I think we only won maybe two or you know, it was two from two, six. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were, it could have gone either way, to be honest. And I think, you know, we had a really good look at ourselves and what we were doing and how we wanted to play. And then from mm. that moment on, it, things just clicked. You know, we ended up going on to win 16 games in a row, a club record. And, you know, I remember talking to the boys. Even that was the first year I played my first city country game, and you know, I didn't lose a game in an NRL season for four months straight. You <laughs> that's know? huge, and that is huge. You know that stuff just doesn't happen, and you know I think it's just happen on sports in general. <laughs> four months straight. <laughs> I remember looking back at it, and I was like, you know, it was the, the time of my life. You know, I was I was super happy back in Sydney. My wife and I we were having such a good time, and obviously, you know, winning and playing well. You go home and and you you know you're not down. You're just happy about life and. Mm. You know your well-being is just it's it's flying high. So you know it was you know a wonderful time of the year. That confidence you talk about, but that's the reason why we won so many games because it was like those ones, little tight ones <laughs> where you just got over the edge and you weren't playing that good. But yeah. that confidence factor, it's like you guys knew that you were going to win. It was across our whole team, and you know I'll, I'll tell you this: we we were playing against Parramatta at home and we were we were losing at the time and mm. uh, there was might might have been uh, 12 minutes to go and we're down by 8 and I look out to my right and at the at the time Birdie was playing right center and Val was playing right winger and they were we were losing like I said by 8 points I looked at both of them and they're both laughing and like making jokes at each other <laughs> in the defensive or while we're defending okay I look at him I said boys pull your effing head in, like, you know, like, let's go, like, pull your effing head in. And um, they look at each other and look back at me and then Val, Val just said to me, don't worry, bro, we're going to win anyway. <laughs> and then Birdie just started laughing they, and they, like, did their little handshake and I was just, like, look back and just, you know, try to get on with my job, what we were doing and true to their word, we came back and we won and we and we beat them. So, you know, that was that was the type of confidence we had at the time across our whole team. We we knew that we were always in the game and we won a lot of tight games and that was just the belief and the confidence within our team. We knew we could chase down anyone at, at any yeah. time. So it was pretty cool. Once you hit that kind of that last kind of five weeks was a little bit rough. You guys copped a fair few injuries. Yep. You know, we do have a kind of a older roster, so you you can't really blame the older guys for looking forward to the semifinals at yep. the same time. Yeah. How are you guys feeling during that little kind of like bump in the road? Yeah, I think you know it was we were, we were guaranteed a top four position, which at that time of the year is 
kind of unheard of. Mm. And I think it was probably the Canberra game where they came to our home turf and, and they belted us, to be honest. And that was the sort of moment where we were like, you know, we can't we can't afford to keep doing this. And uh, we ended up losing a few in a row and then it, we, we got back on track against the Roosters. But at that time, it was I think we were probably, you know, looking forward to the semis a bit too much where – you know, it, it's hard to keep your foot on the pedal with the whole season and coming off a 16-game winning streak is mm. you're, you're always going to have a, a lull and that was just our lull in the season. It was the back end of the year and, you know, we were lucky enough to to get the, get back on track against the Roosters and then, you know, heading into the semifinals. Yeah, that it's really weird you guys in Canberra though. They seem to always belt us in Sharks yeah. and then we belt them in Canberra. Yeah, Kimber. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, you know. But um, we finally broke the hoodoo this year. Yeah, so let's, yeah. But I know what you're continues. saying. It does. It has happened the last few years, and it was. I remember we playing against them at home, and I was like, you know, this is the trend of the last few years. You know, we needed to really aim up. We were playing at home. They always beat us at home. Like, let's let's What's go. What's that Viking? The bloody Viking clap. Yeah. Was that scary? Uh, the first time was actually pretty cool. You know, it's. I remember seeing it in the. I think it was the World Cup where it started. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's a cool thing for sport. It, it creates a cool atmosphere yeah. when you run out in the field, and they're obviously waiting in the sheds to come out. And it starts, and I just remember like looking around and seeing it, and you know, it's, it's when you're in the good. sheds, but is it echoing? Yeah, it doesn't happen until we the away team gets on the oh, field. Oh, you're on the field already. So then okay. the yep. away team's on the field, and they sort of like call like they blow the big horn and they call the other team out or call the home team out sorry and then they start it so i reckon they should reverse it they should leave you guys in the sheds <laughs> yeah we reckon. run out to the clap as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that game i think that's a major point in your career because even for the whole team as well because gal doesn't play wade gets knocked out you guys have to come back from 12 nil matty Pryor has an absolute blinder mm. probably wasn't one of your best games yep final hook jar yep how did you deal with the fact that, you know, you guys are going through the next round, but you didn't play your best game. Yeah, I think it was, you know, like you said, we, we went into the game a bit underdone and Gal had a bit of a back flare up and uh, Wade obviously getting concussed early on and then KP came on and played about 60 minutes in what was probably his arrival to the NRL. He mm. really, you know, had an outstanding game then. And, uh, you know, for myself, it wasn't my best game. I'd... Got a try disallowed early on where I scored. I went through the trial, the defensive line, and scored, and it got called back for some reason. Yeah. And uh, you know, after that, I remember you know Louis and myself, we just went on the same page with things, and maybe it was it was a bit loud. You know, our timing was off, and you know we'd made a few errors between us. And then when I did got I did get taken off. You know, I was I was frustrated. I didn't I didn't want to go off to see my team. You know, continue playing while I'm sitting on the sidelines. It was not a good feeling, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it fired me up. I was angry. You know, went into the Flano's office straight away on Monday, and we had a good chat about it. And you know, we moved on. We we addressed it. We spoke about it as as men and as rugby league players, and we were both honest with you know what we thought. And you know, from then on, we moved on. And how I looked at it was, you know, this is like anything, any other challenge you've ever faced in your whole life. You're a fighter. You fight hard. You don't let these things affect you. And I didn't. I, I went to training. I smiled. I laughed. I carried mm. on with my teammates. I'm not going to walk in and be the type of player that uh, is angry or upset and take it out on my teammates because that's not the player that I am. I put the team first always, 
every single time. And, you know, like I said, I went into training, I laughed, I smiled, had a great time. And, you know, we had the week off. We enjoyed the week off. And it was cool to watch, you know, the other teams build each other. And then the Cowboys obviously came on top. And then, you know, the preparation for the Cowboys game started. It was a great approach you must have taken because you had a blinder against the Cowboys. Remember that try you scored just before yeah. halftime? I think we were in the stands, and as soon as you scored, we knew we were going to grand final. Yeah, I think you know the the lead up into that game. I really you know crossed the crossed the t's, dotted the i's. I wanted to put everything into that preparation and making sure that you know I would leave leave no stone unturned. This is the best prepared I'll ever be for any game, and that's how I approach it. And the, also the thought of being you know 80 minutes away from a grand final which some players obviously play a whole career and don't play in a grand final you know mm. for me it was the most important thing in my whole life at the time and I really wanted to play well and I was I was locked in I was laser focused on what I needed to do and also to you know be able to score and then you know play a great game that was you know a really satisfying moment when the siren went and you know I was overcome with emotion and um, you know I ended up having it was a bit of a tear in my eye, but uh, it was you know it was a moment that I'll never ever forget. Now the biggest moment of your life, grand final day. Can you believe when we were sitting there? It was obviously eighty two thousand people, seventy eight thousand with the sharks. <laughs> You're <laughs> not wrong. Where, where did all this come from? Like, oh, I remember just I remember running out and oh, it was just black, white, and blue, absolutely everywhere. It was chockers, and then there was this tiny little section where it was. A little bit of purple, and you basically couldn't even make out it was purple. And you know, I remember look, we ran out and looking at the boys, and we're all like laughing and smiling and going, "Man, this is so good! Like this is the best, the loudest crowd I've ever played of played in front of." Sorry, but you know, at that moment, it was just it was so exciting. That lead up in the grand final, you guys looked pretty relaxed. Yeah, we were. We and like we we were that we just had that confidence, as I mentioned before. Yeah, and that that team that just knew we could we could play we could win at from any time in the game and mm. we knew that uh did guys like louis and Hino just really take a bit of a more leadership approach in that week in or? that week definitely and even mickey ennis was a big one he was a big motivational factor for us obviously he had announced his retirement throughout the season and yep. and we really wanted to send him off with a grand final win obviously he played in a few with the dogs and never actually got over the line so that was definitely a big motivating factor for the for the team and uh you know we were in the lead up to the game we were very relaxed and i remember the session before the game captain's run we were training at ANZ Stadium we got the bus in there and it was windiest like one of the windiest days we've ever had at training boys are dropping balls and you know throwing forward passes and then at the end of training Fecky couldn't catch a bomb and you know the boys were just like what's going on we just had one of the worst training sessions of of the whole season and then at the end of the session we were all like we came in we had a bit of a huddle and we just said boys don't even worry about that turn up tomorrow night bring what we've brought all season we we knew the game plan across our whole team. We knew exactly what our role need, our role was and what we needed to do. And, you know, we turned up and we did it. We grinded out a game and, and we played how the Sharks play. We don't play we don't play a pretty game by all means. You know, yeah. we, we bring teams down, we grind them to the end. And, you know, we're not winning 14-12. We backed ourselves on, on the back of our defense. And I don't know if you remember that last minute when we were defending out for basically our lives... <laughs> Heart attack, mate. But, you know, that's the stuff we train for. Our coaching staff, you know, implemented those tra- training drills like that all season. And we did it and we it, it won us a grand final. You know, at one stage, 
our whole right edge, Val, Birdie, myself, and Louie, we're on the left side of the field chasing the ball, and then we run back to the right side of the field to stop a try, and then it goes back to the other side. Then, you know, Ricky Latelli makes that tackle, and the rest is history. What about when Fafita went over? Because you guys have been on their line for a long time. Like, you just couldn't budge them. How did it feel when the big fella went over? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we, we had a bit of a structure where we came off that sideline and would try and move into that post, and then... Uh, you know, it's a really tough assignment to crack Melbourne on the try line. They're mm. such a good defensive team. And even on the try line, you know how hard it is to, to score tries on the try line, especially with the fullback in the line. And and we knew that if we could get Fafita running that line where, you know, he can just worry about nothing but running straight and hard, that that closer line he'd be hard to handle. And, you know, we, we, we came off the sideline, we moved back in towards the post and, Fafita found himself in that spot where we really, that's where we want him. And yeah. Mickey had noticed it. We had structure out the back and shape with Benny and myself as well. Mickey had noticed where Fafita was. He looked at him, gave him the look, and then kind of hit him with a no looker. And Fafita, he carried three guys over the line. And that was, you know, just an insane moment. I remember hearing the crowd it was just deafening. And the boys were going off and it was just, you know, it was exciting. But we still had 12 minutes to go yeah. to defend. So, um, you know, we'll, we were locked in, ready to go. Mate, on reflection, though, you're going to always be in the history books. You know, you're the first. You're going to be part of that first team. Everyone's going to remember you. Yeah. When I'm 100 years old, <laughs> touch wood, I'll be telling some people about, you know, Chad Townsend, the, the premiership winning halfback, mate. You're going to be – they can't take that away from you, the first ones. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that I think, you know, when I finish my – playing career that I'll look back on and I'll really just be proud to be a part of that team and and the group of players that I did it with you know was the most special thing you know these guys who I'd call some of my best mates you know and just that connection that we'll have for the rest of our lives you know I always think about you know in, in 10 or 20 years when we have a reunion or you know I walk into a room and you know I see a guy like Chris Hynington and we just look at each other and we just give each other a big hug and just a big smile because you don't you don't need to say anything, you don't need to do anything. In the back of your mind, you just like you just remember everything you went through. And mm. um, there's actually a bit of footage of Hino and myself after the game, just jumping up and down, going crazy. And <laughs> Hino actually posted it on his Instagram the other week. And you know, it's just moments like those you, you just never forget. Yeah. What have you done with your ring? Do you wear it, Mike? I've wore it to the presentation that year, and also it's pretty fat, butter. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got the diamonds on yeah, it. And stuff, yeah, yeah, it's really, really nice, made by Affinity Diamonds, and uh, yeah, I haven't worn it too much. I think I might have worn it only two or three times okay. since the game, but it's at home in my safe. So does it fit? Yeah, you have to get it resized. I, I got mine resized. Yeah, yeah, it was too small for me, but uh, yeah, got it resized, and you know now it's at home in, in the safe. And, I might actually just this afternoon go home and have a look at it. Actually, just chuck it on. Because sometimes it. you just forget about it, you know. But then oh, yeah, it's a great, yeah. it's a great little thing. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. be wearing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. You'll let me yours if you want. <laughs> <laughs> now the celebrations for the premiership. How long do they go for? Uh, I went all week, Sunday to Sunday. Yeah, not was, much sleep. I'm, I'm assuming. Nah, it was it was a big week. It was. I, I'd say to my wife, I reckon I. I drank more that week than I had for the last three years, you know, it was... Uh, like you had leave pass for a week. Yeah, and it was. I think it was just a good, a good thing for the community to just unite as one together, yeah. you know, to see, obviously, the Sharks fans who had been waiting so long to to get an NRL premiership and then to, to be a part of that team, you know, 
even to this day, a lot of people come up to you on the street and all they say to you is they just say thank you. You know, thank, shake your hand, just say thank you, and then they walk off, you know, like fully. I think it's just a respect thing, mate. Because yeah, full-grown yeah. men. And that's like, you know, when you think about it, the impact you can have, you know, on these people in the community. So that was but cool. when you put it in perspective, like, for example, I'm about five years older than you, maybe a little bit more. We grew up, like, going through so many semifinals, like the game before the grand final mm. when we were kids, and we would lose. Yeah. And we thought it was never going to happen. Mm. So that's the kind of impact that you had on people. Yeah. I've even, like, one of my boss, his dad went for the Sharks since 1967, and he's in a bad way, but that kind of, he didn't think he was going to see it before he died. Yeah. But you guys let him see it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the impact that you guys had. Yeah, it was, I remember seeing a Facebook page, Cronulla Sharks to win the premiership before I die. I see that one. You know? And, like, who came up with that? I don't know, but, like, you know, just to... Uh, yeah, just to be to be a part of it is just something that, you know, you'll never forget. And also, you know, I'll get back and the celebrations, like all week people, you know, wherever you went, you, I don't think we paid for a drink all week. You know, we had the Sunday after, we were down at Northies, you know, uh, with the trophy. We were, during the week, we were crowd surfing in Northies. We went into the rocks with the boys were getting premiership tattoos mickey ennis is up on a stage singing karaoke you know just things like just memories that just you know now looking back on it it was one of the best times of my life for yeah. sure now winning must be so hard how hard is it to even try to defend it it's hard defending it you know i think you have all the pressure on yourself on on you as a team and obviously winning it the year before you know, it's it's tough. I remember going into every game thinking, you know, there's that just added a little bit more pressure, and uh, it probably in the end it it got to us. We weren't good enough in 2017. We were very ill-disciplined. We gave away the most penalties in the whole competition. We had yeah. some certain players who were, you know, 15 penalties above second place in the competition, which you know would just kept killing us. We we still done a good job in making the semi-finals, but you know, obviously finishing fifth. You know, was uh, the hardest thing and not making that top four spot, and mm. and then that Cowboys game. You know, we started really well. We and that's a game I think all of us will regret for a long time. We you know we didn't play our best and made some crucial errors, and and our discipline again just wasn't good enough. And you know, you see what the Cowboys did in 2017 to win against us from eighth, and then go on and end up making the grand final. It's you know we we're stuck with a few what ifs from that year, and that's you know really hard to. Hard to take in. Yeah. Now, 2018's a big year for you because Jimmy Maloney's gone. You've got a new halves partner, and they're still settling on who wants to be fullback, who's going to be your 5'8 partner, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing you talked about before, having to take more responsibility on the field because Jimmy was a dominant sort of half as well, just like yourself. But yep. now you're doing more kicking game. You're taking the goal kicking on. Yep. Now, I thought you played really well. There was a game against Brisbane where you missed the penalty goal. Now, yeah. you gave up the goal kicking. Did you think that you you took too much on that year? Or? Yeah, I think so. I remember having a, a chat to Flano the week after, and um, he said to me he was going to give Val a, go, a goal kicking, and I was totally fine with that. And you know, he, he actually said to me he thought I'd taken on a little bit too much, and I actually agreed. I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually happy to let Val do the goal kicking. I think I've got enough on my plate in terms of – what do I do for the team? And you know, we had a, we had a good chat about, it and uh, you know, moving forward, it was the best thing for me and mm. the team at the time. And from then on, you know, I really wanted to. 
just focus on my job and, and I didn't have to focus on that goal kicking role, which was, you know, it's a, it's a role which, in which I enjoyed and I've done throughout my whole career, my whole life. But, um, you know, it is a little bit of added pressure and I still continue to goal kick at training in case I'm required and I'll always have, you know, that in my back pocket if needed. But, you know, moving forward, it was at the time, it was definitely, you know, the best thing for myself and the team. Yeah, you can definitely, it was evident. The back end of the season, you were probably our best player, I reckon. Yeah, well, like, you know, I think moving to the back end of the year, I think I was in career best form. I think I come off the back of the best, you know, six or eight week span of my career I've ever had. Mm. And, you know, I probably owe that to Flano to, for taking the goal kicking away from me and, and uh, you know, putting the team first. And, you know, that's was one thing I wanted to focus on. Yeah, now Val... Have you ever seen a player come back from origin with so much confidence <laughs> where he went from mid-range fullback to the best fullback in the NRL? <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm really good mates with Val. I love the kid and I've never seen a player like him. You know, he, he, the stuff that he does, you know, uh, the confidence he has in himself and, you know, just to be able to, you know, finish a try or see a gap or, you know, take it on and just back himself 100% and... You know, it's truly special to see on the field and on the training field. And, you know, even we play golf together and he does some arsey things in that <laughs> as well. So, you know, it is, he's, he's a special kid. That's he must sure. watch a lot of NFL too. He's punt, I'll say punt returns, <laughs> kick returns. He's yeah, got a few. Yeah, well, we, we actually play a fantasy league together oh and Val's in it as well. He's actually going really good this year, his, his team. So, you know, I know he's a big, he's a big New York Giants fan. He loves Saquon Barkley. He loves Odell. So, who's your team? Uh, I follow the Browns. Okay. I'm a Saints. Yeah. We've had a few stiff years, but, uh, we're slowly turning over, but. Yeah, we're we're still a long way off, but um, yeah, you know, I just I just love it. I think you can compare a lot of the the NFL and the NRL in terms of football and yeah, preparation and things like that. So you know, it's something that I really enjoy away from NRL. Yeah, great moment for yourself the semi final against Penrith when you snapped that kick that yeah, field goal yeah, over. Yeah, only just went over. You got that yeah, angle right. Yeah, but must have been a good feeling because you guys had a really. good... I think that first half of the against the Panthers was the best half of the season. Yeah, and then obviously they came back. That tried at Nathan Cleary changed the momentum a little bit yep but you guys did really well to to hang on especially after that you defending on that right side that bloody kick out oh mate he's it, he's the hardest thing to tackle i've ever had to come against even like up blake outside yeah, him. yeah. Like, that is a, a lethal big left head. i love it i love the challenge and i think kick out brings the best out of me in defensively mm-hmm. you know just to be able to really focus in and go you know if i don't put my body on the line here he's running over the top of me so Something that I really enjoy coming up against him. He's definitely the hardest, you know, player to tackle in the NRL, from my opinion. Yeah. But um, you know, in terms of that game, we had a really good start. We start, we started. We scored some some tries, and um, you know, as I mentioned before, when we we came up with a plan, was that the try that I scored actually was, um, you know, well thought throughout the week. Mm-hmm. We uh, we have a play again, and we think that this player you know does has certain attributes when he's defending and you know then we put Fafita in a different hole and it got him through one one arm and then allowed me to push through and even get the offload so you know that that was probably one of the probably one of the best tries of my career to be honest just in terms of the preparation and what into it what went into it sorry and the occasion and then uh, you know, obviously to also kick the field goal was, you know, was, you know, really, really sweet feeling. What were you thinking when it was 20, what was it, 22? It was 22, I think it was. 
it must have been tough because they had all the momentum. Yeah, they did. They were coming back pretty hard, and and I just kept thinking, you know, we're good. I just in the final series, even against the Roosters, I was trying to show some real poise and, and calmness, and I actually really learnt a lot through that final series. And it was more so, you know, just breathing and getting my heart rate down, which allowed me to make some clearer, better decisions. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, don't worry, like, you know, the process, you know what you've got to do to draw. We need a field goal. We need a field goal. Like, you know, it's coming in five minutes ago, ten, seven minutes ago, whatever it was. And the first field goal I actually didn't want to take at the time. And Chico just threw it to me. Okay. And I ended up taking a shot and they uh, charged it down. So we, they got the ball, went the other end of the field, and they kicked, and then we got the ball back anyway. And then I remember Jason Bakuya made it probably one of the best runs of his career. He just had a leg drive of about mm-hmm. 25, 30 metres, and that really got us into field goal position. And again, we were kind of off the sideline. I think Fafita might have been tackled, and he got up and tried to milk a penalty. And I'm standing here 15 metres back. going, mate, what are you doing? Like, don't try and milk slowest play of the ball ever. And I'm yelling out to Val, 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 like I want the ball. And he just wasn't looking at me. And anyway, he he passed it to me. And then because I was on the angle, I kind of – I didn't have the best drop, but I knew that I could still hit it. I was just aiming for the right post because I knew that it would just keep turning over to the left. And then anyway, I hit it and it went over and it wasn't pretty, but, you know, we'll take it. And then as we are running back, I was like – said to Val, Bruce, did you hear me? He's like, yeah, yeah, I heard you, but I, I didn't want to like – put it off that I heard you just in case like they knew and I was, I was laughing I was like of course they're going to know like I'm standing behind you like 15 metres he's just the coolest cat yeah ever, yeah he is and then uh, you know we, we defended we defended our lives on it like, like the sharks that we do and, yeah. and how we're taught at training and then you know we, we win the game you know you spoke about learning from the finals like the sharks went into the finals as the healthiest team in the NRL you guys cop some bad injuries, like Wade mm. the first game, yep. Josh the first game, yep. Gal the second game. So you went into the game against the Premiers mm. in their home backyard with yeah. three of your best players. It must have been tough from the start, mate. Yeah, it was tough. I think, you know, in terms of confidence in the team and how we were playing, like we knew the style of footy we needed to play against the Storm and we have a really good game plan every time we come up against the Storm and... And as you mentioned, the players that we lost, you know, before the game, it obviously didn't help. There was a lot of talk around if Gao would play, would he play, or would he not play? And he was pretty much ruled out at the start of the week. It was, was more so a bit of a yeah, never. And you know, I remember I was sitting at the airport doing some media and just getting hammered with Gao questions, and I just kept trying to give him the straight bat about you know uh, would he play or not. And you know, it was tough. You know, the storm obviously had the week off before and. Obviously, putting the feet up and watching us belt Penrith, belt each other against Penrith, you know, we were really sore, really, you know, uh, I guess fatigued physically and mentally, and then coming to a Melbourne team who were real fresh, and they started really well. They started fast, and yeah. we just got no field position. We were on the back foot. Uh, we couldn't, you know, build any pressure, and and they were too good for us they scored some points and 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 broke through us and you know we probably went as far as we possibly could have this year with the team we had at the very end in terms of injuries and things like that pardon me and uh you know still proud of our guys and the way that we finished to finish third in 
Um, you know, it's not what we wanted. We wanted to play in the big dance, but, you know, it, it was a great effort by our boys. Yeah, I think it'd be good for you guys. But, you know, we move into 2019 now, and I think Flano hasn't really bought too many major players, just Josh Morris. But you guys have an outstanding crop of juniors coming through. Like, you probably see a little bit more of little Flano in your team, which he debuted next to you at the end of last year, and mm-hmm. there's a few other. Bronson Sherry, I think they're, they're wrapping him. Yep. Any other boys that we should be looking out for? Yeah, those two, as you mentioned, even uh, younger Blake Braley, mm-hmm. uh, Jaden's younger brother, who's got some big raps on him. Is very, very... Chico with us anymore? Uh, no, I'm not sure what Chico's doing. He, he won't be back with us, though. Yeah. But, um, that gives Blake an opportunity. Yeah, it? so uh, yeah. Blake, you know, very, very skillful player. Uh, you know, probably one of the most impressive yeah, junior players that the Sharks have got. And I think he'll come in and and he'll probably probably play a lot, a lot of first grade this year. And That's I think the Brayley brothers, yeah, yeah, it'd be cool to I guess for them to play alongside each other. I know the boys give them both a lot of stick about who's the better Brayley and things like that. <laughs> I I try not to hang. I try not to be a part of it because I know they hate. They both hate it. So yeah. Um, but yeah, you know we we got some some really good young kids. We've had some really successful junior representative teams in the last few years, and now. Hopefully we're going to see the rewards of those players coming up and and uh, you know making their NRL debut and you know contributing to our team and I think also with the addition of Josh Morris who you know has been around the game for a long time and is you know class player on the field I think mm. he'll add a lot to us in the centres and also help out our young guys like you mentioned Bronson Cherry and help him out with his development and uh, you know looking forward to playing alongside him. Yeah, big thing for the Sharkies, Scotty Morrison. I see you guys went to his house or something. <laughs> yeah, we went to uh, Kirribilli House after the season for a bit of a barbie in the backyard. Just with the PM? Just, yeah, just, just casually, with the yeah. PM. Yeah, he's uh, our Sharks number one ticket holder, Scott Morrison. So he's a big fan of the Sharks. And, um, you know, he invited our, pretty much our whole club and partners and staff yeah. and their families to a barbecue, which was, you know, really, really generous. We... Uh, got to you know spend some quality time with each other and also with him and his family and I had a good chat to Scott that afternoon you know I remember standing in the backyard overlooking Darling Harbour you know talking to the PM and I uh, actually asked him if he'd, if he'd uh, spoken to Donald Trump yet and he said yeah I've exactly. spoken to him I've just spoken to him over the phone and um, <laughs> I said oh what like what's he sa- what's he like what is he saying he's like yeah he's I mean he's a pretty laid back character like what you see is what you get yeah. like you know he's you know, he, he's not too bad. He's, you know, I got off pretty good vibes from him. So I was like, you know, that's pretty cool. Like, you always yeah. see Trump on the news yeah, about, yeah. you know, what he's doing, what crazy stuff he's doing. But he, he said good things about him. So, you know, so be it. So, yeah. How good. But the next part, Prime Minister's 13. Hopefully, Scotty put a good word in for you. Yeah, but yeah. Despite that, your form was outstanding, <laughs> so you deserve the spot. He said to me he would like to pick the whole Sharks team, so he probably got a few of us in there. But, um, you know, it was a really good experience. And first time in Papua New Guinea, and, yeah. um, you know, a lot of the team I'd played with before, actually, guys like Tyron Peachy and Tyson Frizzell. They're in the 20s team. Right? 20s team, yeah. and guys I grew up playing with. And, you know, it was a cool experience, obviously, to see some of the kids you know, in Papua New Guinea, run along the bus and, mm. you know, just the way they love their rugby league, it's, you know, it's truly amazing. You, you ne- I've never seen anything like that in my life and, uh, you know, some memories that, again, I'll, I'll never forget. And this must give you gratitude too, the way they oh, live. Big time, big time. Just the, the fact that they have have absolutely nothing, no, the poor living conditions, a third world country, 
you know, and they just love their footy. They absolutely love it. Uh, it's their national sport, mm. and a lot of the boys were giving away, you know, clothes and gear and boots and things like that, and they were just so grateful, and it was, um, you know, it did it really make you appreciate what you have, you know, back at home in Australia. Yeah, definitely. Okay, a couple just personality questions to wrap that up. I love leadership. Now, over your time, over your career, even over your life, who's someone's really stood out in terms of leadership? Uh... Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, the, the two people that come to mind uh, for me, the first one being Simon Mannering, mm-hmm. uh, to play two seasons under Simon. And, and, you know, when I think of the Warriors or I think of a true warrior, I think of Simon Mannering, yep. you know, what he would do on the field and for the culture of that team, he would bust his ass absolutely every week. And uh, he's just one of those players who would lead you know, probably not so much verbally, but, you know, physically on the field, just give his absolute all, whether it be training or, you know, on a game. Someone who I would really look up to and learn a lot from in terms of leadership. And then I think at the Sharks, you know, we've been we've been blessed with, you know, a crop of leaders, mm. uh, a lot of leadership, a lot of older guys, a lot of senior players. And, you know, you can't go past someone like Paul Gallen, been around the game for a long time. Um, when you think of the Cronulla Sharks, you think of Gal. Mm. And, you know, they'll probably put Very a statue true. up of him one day at Shark Park somewhere. But, uh, you know, Gal, again, just in terms of actions and uh, – you know, how he goes about his business and, you know, to still be playing the game at the age he is, the way he looks after his body. And, uh, you know, it, the gladiator is a great word to, to describe him for sure. Mm, okay. Who's been your toughest opponent so far? Uh, in terms of team or individual? Both. Okay. Toughest team I've played against probably over my career is probably the Melbourne Storm. Okay. You know, you know, when you play Melbourne, that they don't beat themselves, and you really have to take it to them to, to beat the storm. And you know that meeting you talked about, your spine meeting. Yep. Are they the hardest ones to strategize against? Yeah, Melbourne? yeah, definitely. They're so perfect. Yeah. Yep. Because they have a system in a defense that they stick to. Yeah. And no one goes out of their system, you know. And if they do, they'd be spit in their coach's window. Billy Craig Bellamy be going <laughs> off. So you know, and they don't, and they're very well coached. So yeah, very well coached. Uh, you know. The toughest team definitely in Melbourne in toughest individual you know as I mentioned before toughest person to tackle would have to be Viliami Kikiao and yeah. also back in his day I'd also have to say Frank Pritchard okay. two of the, the you know, two of the hardest running back roles I've ever had to come across and you know a challenge that you know, I really look forward to yeah take Shark Park out what's your favourite venue to have a run at uh, that's a good question uh, you know there's a few actually I actually don't mind playing at the Gold Coast, okay, yeah. Oh, even um, where else is there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure, but I, I'd have to say the Gold Coast. Yeah, okay. yeah. The first I don't know, just, to say that. Yeah, unique. I don't know. Just because, like, I've had, I think I've, I've won every game there. There you go. And we drew, I've drawn a game and won every other game. But um, even at, as you mentioned at GIO, I think I've I heard on the commentary I've played seven games there and won all seven. So, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, touch wood. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind playing at GIO every week. But nah, yeah, probably if I had to think of one, it, it'd probably be you know, um, even the old Allianz Stadium, the one that's getting knocked down. Unless enjoy. you got to play the last like, um, second, yeah. no, last one, yeah, no, second last one, second last. Yeah, I enjoy playing there too. All right, now a couple of light-hearted questions now, Chad. Yep. All right, so two of my mates the other day, they cut their hair. 
they got the Chad Chanset <laughs> hairstyle. Now, the only difference is, like, after a couple of hours, they were looking a mess. Now, you go out there, you put your body on the line, got kick out running at you. Now, you come off the field every time looking like a million bucks. <laughs> what is the product? What Can you reveal it on the podcast exclusively? I actually can't. I, I don't put anything in it, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I don't put anything in my hair. I've never have. It's just that my hair is so thick and it just stays. Go. And so he's blessed with genetics. Yeah. It just, it's very thick. It doesn't move. And that's, everyone says to me, what do you put in it? What do you put in it? I'm like, man, I don't. You've got some very uh, jealous people out yeah, there, mate. Let yeah. me tell you. If we I know, I've got some it. jealous teammates as well. They've got their own little community, losing hair community, led by. Um, Matt Moylan. Is he losing his hair, man? Matt Pryor. Really? Paul Gallon. Yeah, a few of them. A- Ava C. Manif and I, they're all like going, thinking of going to see Ashley Martin. Really? <laughs> Imagine <laughs> they'll be filthy they if they hear that. The Sharks are the new sponsor next yeah, year, don't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll take it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> all right, Chad, final question. My dinner party question. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. you got five invites. Now, only rules. No family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Okay. Would you like to invite? Yeah, geez, all right. I'd have to be first one to be Tiger Woods, uh, Roger Federer, uh, Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. uh, Warren Buffett, and the last one would be Gary Vaynerchuk. There you go. I actually got to interview him. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. When? 2016. Oh, where? That's cool. Yeah. So we did yeah. it over Skype and yeah, yeah it was good. It came about 25 minutes. I'll see if I can find it. I'll throw, I'll throw yeah. it to you. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah. So it was yeah. a little bit of a pretty cool experience. Yeah. No, I think he's awesome. Yeah. He's and you, really ma- you mentioned Buffett before because I know you've yeah. been doing your financial planning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Something I try and do on the side and definitely helped me out with my career in, in terms of decision making and things like that. So Is that something you kind of might want to go down? Uh, I don't or? think so. I think I, I did it because I really wanted to learn you know, about what I could do with my position and make the most of, you know, uh, my earning and also investing and things yeah. like that. And even things like, you know, minimizing tax and superannuation. And, uh, you know, so I don't think I could see myself working in it full time, but, you know, it's something I definitely have an interest in. You no, know, if you ever want to have a look, I'm a stockbroker. I'm not oh. sure if I told you that. Yeah. That's no, what I, I do full time. Oh, so cool. if you yeah. want to have a yeah. little sneaky peek, yeah, definitely. For sure. yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Before I let Chad leave, Make sure you get onto the vlog. The vlog's brilliant. So yeah. YouTube, yeah. Chad Townsend. www.youtube.com slash C slash Chad Townsend 10. Yeah, I've got that as well. Chad Townsend 10 is your handle for yes, at Facebook, Chad, Twitter, at Chad, yep. Instagram. At Chad Townsend 10. What's 10 mean? Uh, I'm born on the 10th of January. So There you go. People ask me that actually, why isn't it 7, the number, but you know, I like number 10. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Chad, thanks so much for doing the podcast, man. All the best for season 2019. And hopefully we'll go in part two down the track. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that, guys, was Chad Townsend. So definitely give him a shout out on any of the social medias if you love the episode. Please also check out his vlog. It's, it's fantastic, fantastic insights. We spoke about a little bit about it on the podcast today, but definitely go check it out for yourself. All right, guys, next week on the show... We've, got, we've recorded a fair few lately, so to wrap up the New Year's, it's going to be Matt Elliott, so he'll be giving us a very cool perspective into what it takes to 
be at the top in terms of an NRL coach. He's also a former player, so he's had a great career, also doing some great things in the corporate world. So we'll get a perspective from there. We'll also have Sydney FC's Terry McFlynn. He's one of their original old boys. Played at the club for 11 years, captain the club, now works in the front office. So he'll be telling us exactly how they recruit their players. Also some great stories from his career, including Peter Crouch, Del Piero. There's a whole heap of people that he's come across. He was from Ireland, played in England, and then he took the chance of coming to Sydney. So another great story there. Also recording with Wallabies legend Michael Liner. So a few legends to cap off the year, but definitely do get in touch if you've got any suggestions or ideas. I'd love to hear any of you know any of the people that you do want to hear, and I'll do my best to try and get them on for 2019. So don't be don't be shy. Send me an email, Tristan at talkingwithtk.com, or send me a direct message and connect with me on Twitter or Facebook. You'll find me at talkingwithtk, or my personal one is just Tristan Cannell. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I'm Tristan Cannell. And this was Talking With TK.